more grace. It's a pleasure to come and talk to you again. I'm on part two of a series that I've been teaching on seeking the will of God. And of course, you know, uh, if you have been listening or if you heard part one, if you haven't, I want to encourage you to listen to part one before you listen to part two. But if you've not heard part one, I basically talked about in part one of seeking the will of God, that before you were formed, before you ever came out of your mother's womb, God had a plan for what you, for, for your life. He had already designed and planned you to do something before you, before your mom and dad ever came together, before you were um, a figment of anybody's imagination, before they ever listened to a, a slow jam and got together and decided they was going to have a kid. And you may say, well, that's not me because my, my parents didn't decide to have me. I was an accident. Well, you might have been an accident to them. But you were never an accident to God because before you were ever formed, according to Psalm 139, God had already planned and wrote down your life in a book. And I said to you that even though he had a plan for your life, that plan for your life is not what you want, but is what he wants for you. And a lot of times we are pursuing God and going at the God or seeking the will, but we don't really want God's future. We want our future. We want to do what we want to do. But God got a plan for your life, and that plan for your life was already mapped out um, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. It was in God's mind. But when you begin to teach on pursuing the will of God and going after the will of God and making sure you are seeking the will of God and in the will of God, you start having questions. Because, you know, when you teach a word like this saying, hey, you know, you might not be doing the will of God. 20, 30 years you've been working at a job and you don't even like that job, but that's not what God has called you to do. Or, you know, you became a teacher because your parents were a teacher. You became a doctor because your parents were the doctor. You got in ministry because your father was in ministry. And just because that's what they did, it doesn't mean that that was the plan of God for your life. Does that make sense? So I want you to understand and know that whenever you begin to teach a word like this, the devil will try to start beating you down and he'll start making you ask questions. Well, if I'm not in the will of God, how much time have I wasted? You know, is it too late for me to get in the will of God? I'm 50 years old. I'm 40. I'm 60. I'm 70. I'm 80 years old now. You know, Moses was 80 years old when he got to the burning bush. But those are questions that you begin to ask yourself. Is it too late? For me to begin to walk in his will. I'm married to the wrong person. God didn't tell me to marry this person that I'm with. What about this person that I'm married to? What about this person that I'm supposed to be with and I'm stuck with this person? What if I followed God from the beginning? You know, the enemy will start messing with you and trying to get under your skin and making you feel like your life is all scheduled. But I want to let you know that even if your life has not gone the way of the will of God, if you've not walked that straight and narrow and been seeking the will of God, you still got time. I want to go to First Samuel, the 13th chapter. If you'll let me, let's go there. I just want to show you something about God and how good his mercy is and how faithful he is toward us. In First Samuel, the 13th chapter, you know, the way I look through my Bible is I say Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel. <laughs> so 
First Samuel, the 13th chapter. This is after Paul. I'm sorry, after Saul. He's been hiding in a basket. He's been anointed to be king. And the way they anointed him to be king is he, he's hiding in a basket. I mean, out of all people in the world that you want to be king, why would you go find a man that's hiding in the basket? You know, and... You know, God went through this whole process of picking Saul to be king. He made all the 12 tribes come forth. Then he went to the tribe of Benjamin and then he did all of these things. So it's very clear that God had anointed Saul to be king. And the Bible declares in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 5, And the Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots. 6,000 horsemen and people as the sand which on the seashore in multitude and they came up and pitched in Mishmash eastward from Beth Haven and when the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait for the people were distressed then the people did hide themselves in caves and in thickets and in rocks and in high places and in pits and some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead as for Saul he was yet in Gilgal and all the people followed him trembling and he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And you knew what happened. This is when Samuel told him to wait until I get there to offer a sacrifice. Samuel told Saul that he was coming, but Saul, but Samuel didn't come in the time that he was supposed to come. All right. Uh, Samuel said, hey, I'll be there in seven days. And Samuel didn't show up in seven days. And Saul couldn't wait. Saul was impatient. And if you read your Bible, he ends up stepping in the office because the people were scattered and he offered up a sacrifice. And right when he was getting ready to offer up that sacrifice, the prophet Samuel shows up and said, why are you doing that, Saul? You know, we remember that in Leviticus, the 10th chapter, when Nadab and Abihu, which are Aaron's boys, offered up that sacrifice to God. They were not the one who was supposed to do that. Even though they were priests, they were only supposed to work in coordination with their father, Aaron. But they moved in their flesh and released a strange fire. And what did God do? He destroyed them. He burned them up. Well, Saul did the same thing, stepped in the office of the priest, not supposed to be in the office of the priest. He was the king, but he stepped in the office of the priest and offered up a sacrifice. And verse 11, Samuel said, what has thou done? And Saul said, because I saw that the people were scattered for me and that thou camest not within the days upon it and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Mitchmont, therefore said I, the Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. So I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. He said, now I knew it was wrong. I knew I wasn't supposed to do it. I knew I was out of place and out of authority and stepping in an office that I wasn't supposed to be stepping in. He said, but you know what? I did it anyway. Now, I want to tell you that that reveals a character flaw. When you know that something is wrong, but just because of the people or just because of people around you, you allow those things to cause you to get in your flesh. I mean, it's just all kind of thing. You know that you're supposed to give.
You know God has commanded you to give and it shall be given unto you. You know that God has commanded you to overcome evil with good. You know that God has commanded you to turn the other cheek, but you won't. Because of issues, you always have an excuse as to why you were disobedient, as to why you didn't do what you knew you were supposed to do. And people always have excuses for doing wrong. But I'm telling you that if you're going to walk in the will of God and do what God has called you to do, you got to have integrity and you got to have rules that you just will not cross. And some of us are not like that. I mean, we'll just sell out for anything. We'll compromise just to do something. You don't have no standard. You got to have certain things in your life that you say, you know what? I could do this. I could sell out. But, you know, I'm just not going to do that because I want to make sure I have integrity. And I want to make sure that there are rules in my life that I just don't cross. You know, I am... Prophet, hold on. Yeah, there has to be lines and things in your life that you just don't cross. No matter what somebody tries to say to you or anybody trying to force you to do. You know, I'm a gifted. I'm a gifted prophet whom God has anointed to see and to tap into people's life. And I've had all kind of stars and people who are famous reach out to me and want me to minister to them and be their personal prophet. But these people are not even saved. And I understand, according to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, that the gift is for the perfecting of the saints. It is for the work of the ministry. It's for the edifying of the body. God has not assigned me to just use my gift for hire. Yes, that's not what I'm assigned to do. I have an assignment. And my assignment, praise God, is for the body of Christ and is for the people of God. And so, you know, there are certain lines that I just won't cross. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care what you offer me. If it's not the will of God for my life, I'm just not going to do it. Well, when Samson, I'm sorry, when, when, when Saul messed up and did what he wasn't supposed to do, the Bible declares in verse 13 that God said to him, and Samuel said to Saul, thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. Now, God told him, had you obeyed, had you obeyed Saul and did exactly what God told you to do, had you not stepped out of your office and been obedient, you would have been king forever. You understand that, you know, Saul was the one that was next in place to 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 be the king. You look in first Samuel, the 14th chapter, his son, Jonathan, when the Philistines were coming up against him in the 14th chapter, first Samuel, Jonathan said, we'll crawl and kill the Philistines because they were still there. I mean, Jonathan had such a tenacity. He would have been the next man in charge. And in 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter, God is raising up David to take Saul's place. And David kills Goliath. And the way that he kills Goliath is Jonathan gave up his armor. Now, this is powerful because Jonathan would have been the second one in charge. He was supposed to be king, yet he gave up his armor to his replacement. Wow. Wow. What integrity.
What humility to be able to give up your integrity to somebody who's sent to be your replacement. Gave up his armor, I'm sorry, to someone who's called to be his replacement. But Saul was not the temporary choice. God chose Saul and David was the second choice. Yet David still did well. What am I telling you? God told him, had you done what you were supposed to do, you would have been king forever. Verse 14. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord have sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord have commanded him to be captain over his people, only because you have not kept that which the Lord has commanded you. Saul reigned for 40 years. David was 30 years old when he became king, which means that when this word was given, David wasn't even born. Why am I sharing all that with you? Because I don't care how much you've messed up. I don't care what you did wrong. God can take wherever you are and perfect it. Saul messed up. The children of Israel were in a disarray. But it was not over for them. God raised up another king by the name of David and was able to be a blessing to the children of Israel because God's plan B is better than your plan A or the devil's plan A. Now, that's powerful. God can take your messed up situation and can turn it for his glory. You know, a lot of people say, well, the will of God is sovereign and you can't stop the will of God. Well, it's very clear that God did not want them to spend 40 years in the wilderness. It's very clear that God wanted Moses to lead the children of Israel into the promise. But he got mad and it hindered him and God raised up Joshua. All I'm trying to tell you is if the enemy has tried to make you feel that it's too late, I'm telling you it's not too late. God could take a messed up situation, a situation of obedience, a situation where you've done things absolutely wrong and he can change it for his glory and you can he, and he can just turn it for his good. You know, Romans 8, 28 say all things can work together for the good. Now, that doesn't mean God planned it, but that means that God can use it for his glory. And that's a very powerful promise that you should hold on to. I'm just trying to let you know that you still have time. That no matter how bad the situation is in your life, no matter what you've done wrong, I know you may have married the wrong person. I know you may have gotten to the wrong church. I know you may not have uh, be at the right job. You might have distracted a lot of time. You might have got on drugs and alcohol or you just may have just made some dumb decisions. But I just want to let you know that God can take your bad situation and he can use it for his glory. There's no situation that God cannot handle. There's no problem in your life that God cannot turn for his glory. God can take your mess and turn it into a message. God can take your misery and turn it into a ministry. Amen. God could take your test and turn it into a testimony. I'm just trying to let you know that you still have time to get it right. Let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 11. I want to give you another example 
of how, you know, it's not too late and God could still turn this thing and use it for his glory. Second Samuel, the 11th chapter, verse 1. And it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab. Now, this is the time when kings go forth to battle. David sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, but David tarried still at Jerusalem. You know, this is the springtime, and this is the time when kings are supposed to go to battle. But David stayed home and got out of his calling. You know, when David was seeking God and Saul was pursuing him and trying to kill him and destroy him, you know, David was running. He was doing all kind of stuff, running for his life, but he was seeking God. Even though he was going through a bad season in his life, he was seeking God. But during his reign, he became very prosperous. You know, looked like everything David touched, it just prospered. He go to one war, he prospered. Go to another war, he prospered. I mean, just the hand of God was on his life. And I just want to take a minute to let you know that your greatest temptations that you're going to face is not when you're in a bad place. But it's when you are successful. That's your greatest temptation. The greatest test of your character is not what you do in hardship. It's what you do when you have success. It's easy to seek God when you don't have no money and all your bills are due and you need a breakthrough and you need a turnaround and you want God to show up in your life and manifest miracles. That's easy. But I'm telling you, it is hard to stay Focus and to continue to fellowship and love on God when you are successful and the enemy may make you feel like you don't need him. I've arrived. Here's David, the man who was seeking God and pursuing God and worshiping God and writing psalm after psalm after psalm after psalm when he was running for his life. But now he's king. He's at a place of great success. And when he should be working, he should be doing what he's supposed to be doing. He should be faithful to his calling. He's still and he's resting. He got sleepy. He got lazy. You need to ask yourself, when do I seek God the most? Do I seek him the most when I'm in a trial or do I seek him when I have money? Do I seek him the most when everything is going fine or do I seek him the most when I don't have anything? Those are questions that you need to ask yourself. David got lazy. And he was asleep and he got idle. And because he got idle, look at what happened. He got tied up with a woman named Bathsheba. He would have never got caught up in that sin. He would have never um, been in the bad place that he was in had he been doing what God had commissioned him to do. And I'm going to let you know right now that a lot of things that you are getting caught up in, whether it be sin, whether it's immoral, whether it's just doing stuff that you're not supposed to be doing. It's because you're not busy. There's no way you could be busy and get caught up in adultery. You can't be busy doing what you're supposed to do and get caught up in adultery or fornication or lying or cheating or stealing. The only reason you are going through these things is because you're out of place and you've gotten idle. The Bible says, woe be to them that are at ease in Zion. And David got idle 
and got tied up with another man's wife by the name of Bathsheba. And the Bible declares that David got caught up and started messing with Uriah's wife. Had Uriah's wife brought to him and ministered to her. That's the word I want to use. But anyway, had a adulterous affair with a man's wife by the name of Uriah. And as a result of him doing that, had to come up with a way to try to get rid of Uriah. That one sin led to a whole bunch of other sins. And you need to hear the rest of what I'm about to say. Because God even took that situation and turned it for his glory. It is not too late. I don't care what the enemy has tried to make you feel. I don't care what the devil has told you. It is not too late for you to do what God has called you to do. God can take your mess up and turn it for his glory. Not some things, all things. Psalm 1971, David said, It is good for me that I've been afflicted, that I might learn thy statues. There are situations and things that you can go through, and I don't care where you've messed up. I don't care where you fell off the grid. God can pick you up and turn you around. And I want to show you that you still got time. There's a whole lot more to this message that will bless your life. I mean, this is one of the most powerful messages of hope. I want you to get out of condemnation saying, well, I missed my purpose and it's too late. No, you haven't. It's not too late. You can start today to make sure you get exactly and be in the will of God. I don't give you 50 years. I don't give you 60 years old. And you're just starting to get your life on track. 40 years you live like you wanted to live 50 years you live like you it doesn't matter today is the day that you and God can say hey Lord you're going to rule my life from this day forward I made the mistakes I can't change my past but I can change my future there's a whole lot more to this message go to the website briancarn.com call the ministry all of the information that you need on there I promise you this message will change your life. I want to let you know you still have time. I love you so much. Make sure you're calling in the minute get this message. You know, I tell you all the time these messages have no charge. We just have a suggested donation price but if you don't have it you just give what you have but we'll make sure this message gets in your hand and you'll never be the same. God bless. More grace. Thank you for listening to the Prophetic Podcast with Prophet Brian Karn. Stay tuned for next week's podcast and visit briancarn.com for more information and to sow a seed into the ministry. To receive this message in its entirety, call 1-855-984-2276 or 1-833-522-5433. More grace, we're excited about your future.